Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hi guys, welcome back to Adulting. Today I am joined by Sophie Holmes, who is a personal trainer, motivational speaker, and influencer. Hello, thank you for having me. Thanks so much for coming on. So, you do all of these incredible things, you're massively fit. If you don't follow Sophie on Instagram, I can tell you right now that she is shredded AF, <laughs> unbelievably fit, like I've never seen anything like it. You're always off doing crazy challenges, yeah. and fitness, what would you even say? Like you do, what was the most crazy thing you've done recently? Um, well, last year I was lucky enough to climb a couple of mountains and do my first ever boxing fight. So unbelievable, just casual, you know, really casual. You know. But then, what makes you even more special is the fact that you have CF. Yes. Yes. So for people that don't know, cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition that you're born with. So you inherit you inherit it from your parents who have two dodgy genes, basically. And it is something that doesn't have a cure. And it's something that you have to fight for the whole of your life because the older you get, the harder it is because it's a degenerative disease. So in theory, when I was born, I was told that I wouldn't make 16. Oh, my God. So for my parents, obviously, for them, it felt like they're bringing up a child to die, which is crazy. Yeah. But me being me, I kind of laughed at them and said, oh, that's a cool story, but I've actually got a life to lead. So, so how does, wh- how, what is cystic fibrosis for people who don't know? How does it work and what is it, how does it affect you? So cystic fibrosis is basically a disease which isn't glamorous at all. It's a build-up of mucus within your body, mainly your lungs and your digestive system. So you're on daily medications every single day to fight the effects of it. So for me, I have about 80 a day. Mm. So basically a walking pharmacy. Mm. And for example, every single time I eat, I have to take tablets. Um, and if I don't, then it does have really horrible side effects so it's one of those things you don't keep up with your medication you really do suffer but alongside that I pride myself in the fact that I like to push myself to do the crazy things that the top five percent of the population would only do yeah well I mean your fitness excels beyond anyone else that I know that's in our kind of fitness industry and fitness realm do you think part of that is like a rebellion against having CF Oh, totally. Like, I like to be able to prove that you can do the things that you're basically told you can't. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it because you're constantly told growing up through my teenage years, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Don't be silly. I don't know why you're thinking about that. You're going to die. And I think that's such a sad message to give across to people when actually, in reality, the case is you can have some control if you sit down and understand how your body's affected by it. Yeah. And I guess also, whilst it could be with that prognosis your doctors have given you a shorter timeline we're all going to die so starting with someone's life by saying that is kind of disruptive and not that helpful because like I'm not told every day I'm going to die even though I'm going to die do you know what I mean so it's like you should be living you should be able to live freely the best life that you can have for however long that might be we could all get run over by a bus tomorrow like there's no none of us have got a magic pill which says we're definitely going to live forever that's the thing, and I always say to people, because one of the, the top questions I always get, are you afraid to die? And I'm like, well, are you afraid to die? Because nothing is guaranteed. Yeah. So in reality, I'm lucky because I've been given the head start because I've been told you've got to live or you're not going to be here. Yeah. So actually what I've done within the last 10 years of my life far exceeds a lot of my friends because they wouldn't have either wanted to or found the passion to do it because yeah. I'm basically pushing my body to the extreme to stay alive. And I guess by the same token, you're living life in the fast lane, like you're doing so much, like you've probably done more in your lifetime than someone would have done across 80 years. Yeah, and that's the thing, like I have this thing where I say, my biggest fear is regret, 
Yeah. And the only reason that you make regrets is because you make excuses not to do something. Yeah. So I basically turn around and say, if it's something I really want to do, then I'll find a way, not an excuse. So when when you were growing up with cystic fibrosis as a young girl, like how did that, was it really difficult to come to terms with? Or like, if there are any young people listening who have a CF or anything, what, how did that kind of shape your understanding of the world, do you think? Well, it's an interesting question because I, for a long time, especially up until I was mid-teens, I didn't see myself any differently despite the medication, despite the hospital visits and the stays and things like that. And I guess it was partly because I could keep up with my friends and especially in fitness and sport and PE lessons, I was better than everyone else. Yeah. So in my head, I was like, well, this isn't really affecting me. And even to the point where I was like, do I even have CF? Because this is ridiculous. Really? Because all my friends would be like, you're, you're winning the cross-country races, you're winning the athletics. Like, how come this, you're not basically not supposed to do that, but you can? Yeah. And then I got to about 16 and I started hearing stories about people that were dying because I think my mum and dad, as much as they didn't shout at me, they wanted me to do everything normally yeah. as <coughs> any 16, 17 year old would do. Because I think in their eyes, they were like, well, give her the same opportunity and just see what happens. That's amazing. And I'm really lucky that they've had that point of view because I have a lot of people online messaging me being like, oh, I'm going to shout at my children from this, that and the other. And I'm like, but why? Like, it's, I guess it's quite selfless of your parents to do that because I can imagine from a parental point of view, you just want to keep you safe and keep you holed up and kind of like yeah. tre- treasure you. But actually that kindness to be like, we've got to let her live her life is so much more selfless. Yeah, and so I'm so lucky that they kind of let go. Mm. And even now, like, they get a bit worried because I'm like, oh, I've got this new challenge coming up. And they're like, oh, no. <laughs> but at the same token, they're like, you know what? You're actually doing the thing that you love, so that's what's more important. Yeah. And up until I was about 19, because basically my life had a turning point when I was 19, I saw myself better shape, better than not better than everyone else in terms of like, oh, I'm a better person, but you know, I was just, just objectively more you were yeah, yeah. And my mindset and the way <laughs> I view things. And when I turned nineteen, basically I'd lost fifty percent lung function for no real reason. And I was in hospital and the doctor said, Well, it's kind of it now for you. You've got a few years to live, so um CF was always gonna catch up. Is that what they said? Yeah, and even like even to this day, like I like that doctor is still in the hospital and I'm like, <sighs> I cannot believe that you are happy to have have those words come out of your mouth. But actually, you know, that's actually given me my life today because mm. six months later I went and summited Kilimanjaro, <sighs> as you do, because they told me I couldn't. Yeah. So then I went and did that and then that kind of where all my challenge series caught up with me. But actually, you know, without having that moment of adversity, you wouldn't then find yourself in this situation now. Do you think the defeatist language that you're saying like doctors and like medical professionals use in relation to cystic fibrosis might give people who have it less might have the opposite effect for you it was really motivating and inspiring mm. and it made you feel like no f you i'm going to do the opposite but do you think for some people they go oh right well i guess that's it then yeah 100 percent. which is why of course everyone's different but you should always give people hope because mm. i think hope is one of the most powerful things you can offer because i've changed what they thought because i'm now 27 yeah and that was when i was 19 and you know the doctor that actually said that to me came into my room last year and said like I'm sorry. Put it, I went down one knee, shook my hand and said, thank you for proving me wrong. Aww. How can you help me? So it just shows that mm. just by being yourself and kind of being a bit stubborn about something and showing that you can, can yeah. actually change the minds of the people you never thought would ever do that. I wonder if it's a defence mechanism, especially on the part of the medical staff as well, because I guess, are you saying that you, have you had the same doctors throughout? Well, you have a kind of like a rotation of doctors, but near enough, they all know who you are, they know yeah. what you're about. Like whenever I go there now, they're like, so what? What's your next challenge? What are we yeah. having to keep you up on now? So I guess if you've always worked with people with cystic fibrosis, it could be quite difficult for them as well. Well, exactly, they're because they're always seeing the patients that are sick. <coughs> yeah. So obviously it's very easy then if you're surrounded by that kind of negativity yeah. or that kind of environment for you then to play that onto somebody else. So what do you feel like, how do you feel like awareness is in the cyst? Because I guess I don't know that much about it. And when I was younger, you do hear about it as this disease that doesn't have that great a life expectancy and like you don't get taught that much and I remember when I started following you I can't remember how I found you I think I just followed you for fitness I don't know I can't remember I can't remember now but like then finding out that you had cystic fibrosis just I've learned so much from watching you and learning how you live your life because it is it's a it's a non-visible like no one has to know that you're you're going through this and do you think that sharing your journey online 
what response have you got from people with cystic fibrosis and just gen and people without? Like, what do you feel? So from those with CF, it's really nice because I get so many messages every day being like, I thank God I found you. I've been following all your workouts. My health is actually improving. And you actually have people who chat and think, God, I didn't even think this was possible. Like, I wasn't even aware that fitness had such a good impact or how you like how do you look like that? What do you eat? Because yeah. with CF, you're told to basically eat as much food as possible, but in a more um, high sugar diet because it's obviously higher in calories instead of actually giving your body the nutrition it needs. What's the reason for you needing to eat more calories? So with mm. CF, the digestion, basically, you don't absorb uh, protein and fat very well. So you basically have to eat double to maintain your weight. Right. So they kind of advise for you just to try and get the food in, whereas I'm a firm believer that if anyone ate like that, you'd just feel like rubbish. Yeah, So agreed. for you to have an inflammatory disease and you're telling yourself not to eat stuff that's going to aid that, then you're crazy. Yeah. Like as much as obviously, I think nutrition is one of the hardest parts of any anyone's life. Yeah. Because the temptation to go out and have a nice time, which is obviously great, but also you then need to get what you need in, especially when you've got a condition that you need to kind of look after and nurture a bit. So yeah. I hope that obviously I'm not a nutritionist, but I hope <laughs> that like sharing what I do for me helps other people because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Changing the lives of others by doing simple things. And are there, do you know many other CF sufferers who are in the fitness space or coming out now and emerging because of you? Um, like, is that something you've seen? Yeah, there's a few more. And actually it's nice because it's, they've said to me, oh, you've given me the confidence to kind of be open about my disease and actually be proud of it and show that I can do all this stuff and enjoy myself. And then there's a few others that kind of came out, out around the same time as me who are doing the same thing, being like, I'm training this, this way and I eat like this and I'm really healthy, I'm 30 years old. And like yeah. one of the guys I think <coughs> has even got a world record now. Oh my God. So it just shows like, you know, if you can have a few people together, you can kind of change the perception of something. Yeah. And do you feel like, I know we're talking about it now, but do you feel like sometimes it's, well, I don't know if that's a thing, actually. Because I guess when I hang out with you, I'm not thinking like, oh my God, Sophie has cystic fibrosis. But do you feel like it's become something that you can't escape? And do you, I guess some days you just wish that that wasn't part of the conversation? Um, sometimes. Because I think sometimes I'm like, oh, wouldn't it just be nice not to have to take 80 tablets a day? Oh my God, I know, yeah. And wouldn't it be nice to go to the gym just to go to the gym and not think, oh God, right, I need to like, absolutely annihilate myself? Yeah. But equally on the other foot, would I be the person I am? without it no I agree I think I think so it's kind of like a 50-50 isn't it like sometimes yeah it would be amazing just to experience a day in the life of someone who doesn't have to do all of that but then equally I'm thankful because it's given me my life yeah and we've I've spoken about it with you before but how has it impacted your because you've got an incredible positive mental attitude and your relationship with life and the way that you deal with situations is really positive and you're very good at kind of like conceptualizing things and just being like, well, I'm gonna, it's kind of put, it's a, you've, you're someone who you must have been positive anyway, because you've taken something which could be super scary and you've flipped it to be a real kind of like an amazing place for you to start and like view everything from. And like, do you know what I mean? When it comes yeah. to your positive mental attitude Where's and stuff, how do, you, how do you advise people on that? Or how do you? I think it's kind of coming to one, accepting who you are as a person, accepting the situation you're in. And then ha trying to build a life around it. Because for me, the CF is never going to go away. So it's something I have to deal with, I have to live with. And actually, being negative about it is never going to gain anything. Yeah. So I may as well use it to my advantage. And yeah. if I can then find a job that I love, which I have, that aids my health, then that's great. And, you know, it's very easy to kind of see things in a very negative way. But I always think there's a positive message in those times or those negative situations and actually they're there for a reason yeah because i bet even if you look back at any negativity that's happened in your life you can find a reason why it happened yeah for sure and i know when you're going through it it's not as simple <coughs> as that like i've been there but at the same time everyone's lives you have to ride the wave yeah and you know you wouldn't know the good from the bad if you didn't have either yeah so it's kind of like yeah it's annoying that i've been born into this situation but equally how can i use it to be more powerful and actually make an impact, leave a legacy, and actually enjoy myself. Because, you know, I could be a really boring, sad person if I didn't have to deal with what I have to deal with. So actually, in reality, you've just got to kind of see things from a different perception. Yeah, definitely. Looking at it from a different yeah. window. Coming up with your challenges and stuff. So talk me through, because some of the stuff you do is quite crazy. <laughs> so what was it you'd just done when I'd seen you, or you were going to do? You'd been asked to do something. So... Um, well, last year was a challenge-filled year, so I climbed Mont Blanc back in June. Yes. 
had to learn very fast to rock climb without ropes. We had a 700 metre sheer water climb. I can't believe you, because I'm about to go watch Free Solo on Friday. Are you? Have oh. you heard of it? Have you yes, seen yeah. the guy that did, oh my, I'm so excited. Oh Is that what you were doing? Uh, kind of. <gasps> but I remember the line that I'm never going to forget from the guys was, you slip, you die, sorry. Oh my God. And literally I was like, I'm not going to die. <laughs> this is not how I'm going to die. So obviously that was an amazing experience. And we had, I think that was probably one of the mountains, we had to summit two mountains on that trip. And one of the mountains, we had to sidestep on the edge of a cliff. There was a sheer drop behind and there was nothing to hold on to. So I literally, I think it was the first time in my life I thought, you know what, I may have taken this step too far, but I'm still here, so clearly I haven't. So that was one of them. And then I did the Himalayas, so track the Himalayas, which was amazing. Just a really nice, if anyone's interested in doing challenges, that's a really nice one to go and do. Yeah. Because it's not too hard, but it does challenge you a bit, but it's just really nice. And if, if you're a fan of dogs, there's going to be plenty up there, and they're so friendly. Oh, what, wild dogs? Yeah. They, oh, my God. They follow you, and I woke <gasps> up one night, and one of them was in my tent. No idea how he got in, but I was like, oh, my goodness. What kind of, like, little huskies? Yeah. Oh, my God, that's so adorable. Lovely. Obviously, we fed them because we're English, you know, that's what you do. Because <laughs> we're English, I love like, that. We, were, we me, and this, me and my friend Sean, we were going to the, the mountain shops because obviously there's new shops on the Himalayas and buying them biscuits and feeding the dogs. That is so and cute. Was, that sounds incredible. Yeah, it was an amazing experience. And like, there was one day where we, before we went to bed, the sun was setting under the clouds and like you could see your reflection in the clouds. And oh, it, like, wow. it was an incredible, like, it's one of those things that, like, unless you're willing to put yourself into that situation yeah. you don't get those kinds of experiences so that's where you're l- unlucky to have seen all of that yeah that's amazing and going back to a little bit about when you're doing that climbing without a rope and stuff how many you seem to put yourself a lot in situations where it is kind of almost life and death do you think you're like an adrenaline junkie oh 100%, 100%. do you love that i don't think i've ever genuinely and most people aren't they don't ever really put themselves there's been moments when i've almost got run over by a car because i'm really bad <laughs> crossing roads and for that split second I'm like oh okay I'm gonna die <laughs> but apart from that I've never actively like do you love that feeling of that thrill seeking and like yeah I think it makes me feel alive yes which is crazy really like I've jumped out of a plane a few times I'd love to do it on my own um what uh, what a skydive I'm going to do one with Matt when um in the middle of Feb oh that's gonna be amazing 15,000 feet oh you're gonna love it is it amazing yeah talk me through it I've never done one so basically when you're on the ground you're gonna have all like the the talks on how you do it and things like that. And then you get into the plane and you're not really thinking much about it. You're like, oh, it's cool. You're on yes. the plane. You've got my harness on. It's going to be fine. And it's the moment that you sit on your um, the guy's lap and they strap you in and you're like, okay, it's getting a bit more real, but it's okay. And then they open up the doors and you're like, oh my goodness, looking down, like it's so cold. But, oh my goodness, I'm really high. I've got to jump out. And you don't really think it in your head, like it's going to, like there's a small bit of fear. You're like, yeah. it's going to be okay though because I'm not in control of this. Oh, yeah, because you're not actually jumping. No. They jump for you. You're it? just sitting there. And then when I did my last one in Dubai, I was chatting away, having a great time. Just didn't even really think about it. And then before I knew it, I was in the air. He didn't even tell me. He just got up and walked out. I was oh like... Oh, my God. But oh are you on goodness. their back or are you on their front? So you're sitting on their laps. So and then when they stand up, they're behind you. Right. And you're just attached. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, like, hoping for the best. But it is... It, you know what the most scary part is? Is after they've pulled the parachute... Which really? is crazy because you've got your feet free fall for like, I think it's about a minute. Yeah. Which is incredible. And Does then, it feel like a long time or not? Kind of. Because you're like, yeah. fuck, I might die. <laughs> yeah, because kind of by that point, you're like, well, I've got no choice now. I'm here. Yeah. So I've got to do it. So you kind of relax into it because you're like, well, I'm here. So yeah. can't get out. So then they pull the parachute and it goes dead silent. And you're like, wow, this is like amazing. But then the realisation hits, you're just hanging. Oh, I see. In the air, and you don't actually have to hold on because you're in a harness, but you're like this. You're like, oh, holding on to your harness, being like, I'm going to die. And she's like, no, 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 relax, relax, you're going to be okay. But as soon as you relax, you drop. Oh, I see. But it's literally one of the most amazing experiences. You're going to really? love it. How long do you free fall for when you're with the, not people, when you've got the parachute up? I think, I think it depends on how long you want to be up there because when I was up there, because the second one I did was in Dubai, and he let me guide it down myself. Oh, wow. So he was like, oh, we'll just take a bit longer to get down. <gasps> That's so, incredible. And I'm so excited. You're going to love it. Where are you doing it? In Salisbury. Oh, random. But <laughs> I think there's only a few places you can do them in the UK. And that's like Virgin Experiences. Wow, oh, it's going to be amazing. I know. I'm so excited. What other, um, what was the thing? There was something, I'm sure, that you were going to do. But then you were like, I might not do it because it's too dangerous. Um, so it was <laughs> the Everest Ultramarathon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I mean, it is still kind of considered, but I think I need to do an ultramarathon on a mountain first. How many, how far is an ultramarathon? Anything above a marathon, but I think this one was about 100k. 
100k and you're doing that up Everest. Yeah, so bearing in mind Sean Stafford did the Everest marathon and got obviously pneumonia. Did he? Yeah. <gasps> and I spoke to him about it. He was like, yeah, that was hard. Oh my God. I just don't even, I don't even think I could do a normal marathon if I'm being completely honest. Well, I've never done a marathon, so. It would, you would, you're you just one of those people who are just so fit. Like I've done an ultra marathon but, and a half marathon, but I've never done a marathon. How long was your ultra marathon you did? 100k. What's that in miles? 62. <gasps> are you joking? How long does that take? 22 hours. It was a very long 23 did hours. Did you stop? No. <gasps> you just continued? We had snacks and stuff, but we, uh, through the night it was horrendous because we had thunderstorms and stuff. And you were just, ra- where did you do it? In the Cotswolds. I can't believe, and was that for charity? That was just like a tick off your bucket list? Um, I kind of got offered it, so I thought, ah, oh, why not? Yeah. Didn't think anything more of it. Roped in one of my best friends. <gasps> then about a week before, I was like, ah. Oh, Got that ultra marathon. Oh my god, you're joking. And I literally rocked up. She'd been training. She was like, Good luck to you. I literally had some like old trainers on and she had the proper trainers. But I actually came out better than she did. So. Oh my god, yeah, but you're just so fit. You're just, you can apply yourself to things. I got offered to do um, a marathon in Sierra Leone like last year and I just broke in my, I'm such a yes person. I'm really bad. I was like, Oh well, that's fine. My physio was like, You've literally just had an operation because you've just broken your leg. You can't go and do a marathon in Sierra Leone. You've never even run a marathon. So it's really awkward. I had to be like to the charity. I'm really sorry, but um, I can't actually do this. I've, I have actually just broken my leg. Because <laughs> I mean, it's going to be a, a minor issue, but. Oh, but I didn't even think, and everyone was like, No, because people hate running as well. Like physios do know, not like running because it's not, it's not good for the joints and stuff. Um, so, what else is on your bucket list coming up for this year? Well, there's a few things in mind. But I just need to make a decision. One of them could involve water. I've not really done anything on water. Okay. So either on the water or in the water. You're not going to swim the English Channel? No. I basically am trying to find something. So if anyone has any suggestions, like I'm really open to ideas. But one, it needs to be something that people would go, fuck, you're doing what? <laughs> Secondly, it's got to be something that someone with CF has not done. Okay. Because I'm determined to kind of get a record somewhere. How many CF record holders are there? I'm not sure, but I know there's a few people with CF who've done like Ironmans, um, Ultramarathons and things like that. So I want to basically find something that hasn't been done, that has like the wow factor. So with CF, you've got the propensity to eat loads of food, mm. so you can eat loads. But is there, is there anything about it which means that you would be, no, surely it would mean you'd be less fit. Is it harder to train with CF? Well, so this is a really interesting question because I had somebody actually message me before I was coming here asking about some advice. And... She said to me, oh, please tell me it gets easier. And I was like, well, fitness never gets easier, really, does yeah. it? Because once you just you make it harder. Yeah. And because I've always loved sport and fitness, I assume it should be harder. But because I don't know any different, I don't know. Oh, but, but like, in terms of biologically, because in my head, when you get taught about CF at school, I imagine, and this might be right, but I swear you just get taught that it's mucus on your lungs. Yes. But it's mucus everywhere. So it depends on what uh, what part of the CF affects you. So uh, for me, it's my digestive system as well. Oh, I see. So some people don't have that problem. Oh, okay. So I always thought in my head, I mean, right now I'm actually a bit flummy. So that would, to me, be a barrier to ex- like a barrier to yeah. getting fit. But it's, it's. I guess I guess we'll see what you're saying. It's just it's it's just your level, and then you just work up from yeah, it. Yeah. So I'm guessing if you're not used to being in, in fitness and you've got CF, then yes, it would be probably hard in comparison in comparison to someone else who isn't the same fitness level as you, because obviously it's harder to breathe. Yeah. And for you to train, obviously you need to have a good breathing technique. Even if it's just lifting weights, obviously you need to breathe at a certain time and things like that. But I think it's just one of those things, like I always say to people, you've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable whatever situation you're yeah. in for you to progress forward. Do you have difficulty breathing? Do you have to learn how to breathe in a different way then? Kind of, yeah, because most of the population only use the top half of their lungs to breathe. Whereas what you should be doing is breathing from your lower airways to keep everything open. So okay. that is why you may have seen me training in an national training mask. Yeah, I've seen you doing that. Um, because basically what that does is it makes, forces your airways to be used from all the way down from your diaphragm to the oxygen to be coming in through the mask, which means you can breathe. Right. So it basically strengthens your relationship with your diaphragm and your ribcage and your lungs. So you properly like kind of compress and open when you yeah. breathe. It's like a full body movement yeah. rather than that. I see what you mean. We do like, I'm doing like shallow yeah. breathing whereas you're going almost like a singer would, I guess. Yeah, so your stomach should move. Like you your breathe, diaphragm. Yeah, if you breathe all the way in from the bottom of your lungs, your stomach should move out. And is that something you have to be taught? Or I, you, you made that connection or that's a general thing? Well, it was kind of like when I was really sick, I was like, well, I'm trying to get my lung function up. So what, what? am I going to do? So 
I kind of came to the conclusion that your lungs have to be trained in the same way as any other muscle in order to become stronger. So if you don't use them, then they're not going to be strong. A bit like if you don't train your legs, your yeah. legs aren't going to be strong. So I then thought, well, if I'm going to do that, then I need to learn how to use them properly. Because I didn't realise, even I think this was about a year ago I found this out, you can actually breathe from one lung at a time. Really? Yeah. And can I you was, control it? Yeah, so I, I was working with this guy in Chelsea, and he was like, I've got these ideas that we can try. A lot of it is down to the Wim Hof technique of breathing. Expand. So do you know who he is? No. Have you heard of the Iceman? Not sure. So he basically, years and years ago, came up with a theory that through breath, meditation, and mindfulness, you can control your body in the okay. way it works. So he climbed Everest in short. Oh, what, and he regulated his heat. Yeah, to prove that he can. He's done a lot of the workshops actually in London with people sitting in ice baths. You may have seen. And is he? Is it? Do people think he's credible? Now they do. So he's had to fight and fight for years, and finally his his techniques have shown that you can actually regulate your entire body by breath. Wow. So there's a technique that you can do where you basically do thirty breaths, deep breaths, in and out, and on your thirtieth breath you hold your breath until your reflex kicks in. So basically holding your breath until you basically go through in the face. Okay. And then you do this three times and you're supposed to do it daily. To so help what you do is you trick your body into thinking that you're in some kind of situation yeah. that you're not in in yeah. order to provoke yeah. whatever response you yeah. might want. So then every single time you do, you try and beat the time or the length of time that you held your breath for. And the theory is that it helps improve your lungs. Okay. So I did this for a while, but obviously you should do it laying down because you might pass out. Okay. <laughs> Just in case you want to try. Um, so it's basically like hyperventilating. A bit, yeah. And so I was doing a bit of work with this guy on this because he's really interested in that kind of technique. And then he was like, oh, have you ever tried this? And then he was like, you can breathe from one lung at a time. And I was like, sorry, is that even a thing? And then he was like, well, if you really focus on you put like one hand on one lung and you focus on breathing just out of that side, you can do it. How do you know that you're doing it? Because you can basically, one side of your rib case should expand up. <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to do this now. Do this. No, but I don't know. I'm, I just imagined then that I've got like one <laughs> tube on the left side, but that's not how it works. It's not so funny when settle my mum used to be like, does your mum say that oh, it's gone down the wrong hole? Yeah. So I genuinely thought there was like two holes in your throat, and I also thought that food went into your lungs. Oh no, <laughs> when I, mean, I was really little. Please don't let that happen. No, I thought that it was like a tube, and then it just all went into your lung. I was a bit confused oh, about biology. But you scared me. Um, yeah, I was quite young. Yeah. It was a bit confusing. Um, Okay, so you're breathing through my, my lung you're with this guy. What do your parents say? Do you tell them every time you're going to see someone new? Do they get a bit like, oh my God, stop? No, they just kind of roll their eyes now. Okay. They just be like, oh, okay, we go. <laughs> is there anyone else in your family with CF? No, so I'm the only one, because, which is handy, because people with CF can't meet because um, to do with cross-infection, so I could basically make them ill and vice versa. So it would be really tricky. If have. someone else had it. Well, yeah, like, for example, like my both my sisters carry the gene, so if their partners carry the gene and they wanted children and they had a child with CF, it would make life very difficult. Can you test prior to having that child whether or not your partner has the yeah. gene? Like you could go and have a blood test. Right. And you could then find out whether you had the gene with the, of the CF. Like, and then if Matt did, for example, and you had a child, there will be a, like a 25% chance that you'd have one. And then so could they pick the egg? Yes, yeah, so you can. So you can now um, test CF in a womb. So really? Like, like, you know, like they do the test for like Down syndrome and things yeah. like that. You can do it for CF. But that's after you've already got pregnant, then. But yeah, so you, but you can then have IVF. Like, say for example, I had a boyfriend and he we wanted to have a child, but he was a carrier. There's obviously a fifty percent yeah. chance. But what would then happen is then you do IVF. And then they'd pick the right ones that yeah. didn't have it. That's so interesting. But that when you were born, when did they find out with you? I was four months old. Okay. So I was born 10 weeks early, so he was eager for life, clearly. He wanted so to just early. Get out. Um, and then because my sisters were early as well, I was just sent home. And then at four months old, I think I weighed something stupid, like two pounds, which <gasps> is a real pathetic weight. Oh my God, so you were tiny. Yeah, and my mum apparently used to hold, hold us in like a hand, one hand, and be like, what are you wearing your clothes? Like, oh my God, stop. And then um, I was then basically stopped, stopped breathing, was really sick, crying all the time, and there was loads of signs. And actually, it was one of my mum and dad's friends, who was my nurse at the time, who diagnosed me because none of the doctors actually believed I was sick. Because they're like, oh, she's just young, like, this should be fine. And the, I apparently had a lot of near-death experiences and things. And So have we come really far in terms, of, um, in terms of that kind of mindset towards CF in your lifetime, do you think? Well, I think we have, because when I was born, the life expectancy was 16. Yeah. Um, it is now only 41, but there are people messaging me who are 50, 60. So 
but that's an amazing leap yeah. to make. That's great to know because then if it keeps growing exponentially, well, that's what we'll I mean. be ninety together. <laughs> no, we will be ninety together. Yeah. Um, well, to be fair, I might make it. Might not make it that long. <laughs> I'll probably get run over. Please don't get run over. <laughs> I teach how to cross the road, Emily. Oh, yeah, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you're coming across different things with this guy in Chelsea. And uh, do you find that there's there's always something... I guess you've just got such a zest for life that you're probably putting yourself... Like, imagine if you, if you didn't have cystic fibrosis, you would literally be, like, the most optimal picture. Well, you're still probably healthier than most people, aren't you? Well, you're definitely healthier. It's interesting because... Um, I was talking to the doc- my doctors about this. I was like, so say my lung function is 95%, which is a normal lung function to have. And they were saying, well, actually, your friends could have a lower lung function than you. Yeah, probably. And I suppose I people like, smoke and stuff as well. well yeah. That's like, oh, that's what I want to say. Sorry, I completely forgot. So back to cystic fibrosis people meeting each other. So you can't have friends in real life with cystic fibrosis. Have you ever met in real life someone with cystic fibrosis? Um, yes, but I can't lie that because <laughs> you're not supposed to but it was more the fact that we were both at the same event and bumped into each oh. other and we're like oh hi, hi bye like it oh, was really? like because obviously there's actually not too much research out there that suggests that but why risk yeah health when you could actually genuinely make each other ill so if you're on a hospital ward are you separated from everyone yeah, else so we all have each a room each oh really because you can't be contaminated but so someone with cf is of more danger to you than me if i have a cold yeah that's fine well so this is the problem so it all comes down to how you've built your immune system as well so for me because my parents basically gave me free reign we're like off you go do your thing we not that they don't care but they were like just go yeah. um i've built such a strong immune system that i don't really get suffer with the general cold or flu or flu or things like that mm. whereas there are some people out there who haven't got that immune system so in theory somebody that was just sick with a cold could affect them but for me I don't seem to get affected by anybody as actually ill right and with so we haven't I guess we haven't really spoken about that but the, with cystic fibrosis the danger is that your b- immune system is down is that the like is that so basically because we're on a lot of medications and obviously CF is a really dangerous condition to have anyway and because a lot of people try and take more precaution like you use a lot more anti and things like that yeah you do find sometimes that because of all of that, plus the medication or the hospital visits, your immune system genuinely is lower than the average person. But where I've been really lucky and managed to build mine really strong, I don't get that problem. But what right. you'll find is the more times you have extra medication or the more times you're in hospital, it will soon start getting pushed and suffer. And then obviously then you start picking up things more easily. Yeah. Which is why like I'm still a strong believer of like you've got to eat well, but you've also got to put yourself... Not going roll around in the mud. I'm not suggesting everyone should try and do that. Yeah, but like I know what you say because I guess there's still stuff with like that now. With like people bring up their children really sheltered, like just generally. Yeah, and then they get loads of coughs and colds and illness and stuff because they haven't. Yeah, they say it's a similar thing to it. But what is so? I guess because if you met someone else with CF, you would both have maybe immunity to certain things, but then also because you're on medication, you might cross. You might get so, different so, illnesses. Yeah. So basically, two. The, the bugs that I'm susceptible in my lungs, I'm on medication for, so it keeps them suppressed. Yeah. So if someone else with CF comes along and they're not used to those bugs because they're used to the other ones and then they catch something off of me, right? they could then be put in hospital because at the end of the day, their lungs don't know how to deal with it. And if the infection rate is really high, then it, they could suffer in permanent damage, which obviously in the long run would then lead down to the road of um, lung transplants and things like that, which isn't very nice. No. But then we were talking about, I think when I saw you last, you were saying there's a film coming out in America. Yes, I think it's called Six Feet Apart or something. And that's kind of talking about this idea. Yeah, so basically the idea of the film is to introduce what CF is and the reality of it, which the concept is great, but what I don't agree with is advertising that it's okay to be living six feet apart from somebody who has the same condition which you cannot mix with. Right. Because I don't know what difference six feet really makes in comparison to like ten feet, or do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't know where they've got this figure from. And basically, with the film, basically portrays that these two people fall in love, and they both die. Oh. So I don't really understand what they're trying to show. Do you feel like generally in the media and online and stuff that CF is misrepresented as a kind of like sad tragedy? Yeah. And you just want to be like, actually, 
look at me, I'm fitter than your average person, I'm doing more than most people could ever uh, imagine to do, can you stop making it look like this is just going to be some kind of like sad story kind of thing? Yeah, because I think everyone's experiences are different, but I think you can make whatever situation you're in better. Yeah. Because I think even if I didn't have CF and say, for example, I had something else, it would still be seen as a negative in your life like because the amount of people that message me and just say oh I'm sorry to hear that yeah now I'm a bit like well I'm not so I appreciate your concern but at the same time you know I'm just trying to put a positive message out there to be like you can actually live an extraordinary life regardless of what situation you're in I think what's so amazing about you is I Mm. even sometimes as we're talking I'm like shit I'm talking so candidly with you about stuff like the risk of death or whatever it is but you're so just like honest about things and you've also got no barriers up with you like I can ask you questions and you're just like whatever whereas I think people like what you're saying they have they try to handle you with care they're like oh I'm so sorry or like chatting around it but it's it's better to be more open about things and get over it because as you say we all have things in our lives mm. that aren't as good and no one's treating it like it it's like a sorry cause or something that can't be spoken about because yeah. we should speak about it more candidly, I think. And also, like, as you were saying, like, if you do speak like that about anything that, or any kind of adversity, not only do you actually feel better about it in general, like, you can probably find out that more people are suffering. Yeah, it minimises it in a way. And actually, make, yeah, it minimises it. And also, you can then deal with it, accept it, and then move forward from whatever it is. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people say, oh, I've got this, so I can't do that. Well, that's just your attitude. like Towards it. I got told that I couldn't... Say, for example, like when I was younger, I had horses for 20 years. I was very lucky. But I got told that I shouldn't go near a horse because it would probably kill me. Not because of the horse, but because of the bacteria. Oh, really? Yeah, that was probably the healthiest years of my life. Oh, my God. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. So it's kind of like don't put like one thing on everybody. What about how does it affect you in terms of like relationships? It's interesting because I have this question a lot and... (laughs) See, I've, ha- I've been really lucky. I've had a couple of long-term relationships and the guys that I've been with have been excellent. They've always supported me, always come posture with me and always done everything in their power to make sure that I've been really well. And then I had this one, one guy, didn't last very long, and he turned around and was like, don't worry, because he had basically had a friend who died from CF. He was like, don't worry, though, I'll be there in the deathbed. Oh. I was like, uh, no, I don't think this is going to work between you and I. And also, so weird. Just because she died. Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean that I'm going to be in the same situation. No. He was like, oh, don't be stupid. Don't be so <gasps> naive. And I was like, I don't know what you're trying to say. And even about six months ago, he randomly did randomly text me and was like, oh, it's good to know you're good to see you're still doing well. But also it's really weird because, as I said, like we're all going to die. But I would never, ever say to anyone, like, you might die. Like, just because it might be that, that like, statistically, you could die younger than me it doesn't mean that I would then be like oh that's something I can now kind of be yeah. like find to talk because I wouldn't say that to anyone else I wouldn't say it to someone who's 90 no no it's just a really bizarre mindset to have yeah of, especially because it could be something that I was really sensitive about like I'm not but equally some people are going to be really sensitive yeah. about that um but I felt like as I've said like past relationships have been great like people that I've met have more been in awe of the fact that I can do all this stuff and then I'm like, oh no, if I made you feel bad because I'm doing all this stuff. But how did you get to the point where you were so resilient in having these conversations? Because I I've, I, feel like I'm being quite open with you, but that's only because when I spoke to you before, you've literally let me ask whatever I oh, wanted. Oh yeah, ask away. Yeah, but like, how did you get to the point where you were like, actually, I'm going to be here to educate and I'm not going to take it personally and I'm going to like listen to what you're saying about my... Uh, what do you call it? Do you call it an illness? Or do you yeah. call it uh, my illness that I'm living with? But like, t- 
talk to you about that, but I'm here. Do you know what I mean? You manage to somehow separate your personal experience and give people like really useful information about it. I think um, I read a book called The Chimp Paradox for one. Oh, you kept telling me to read this, didn't you? Yeah. Um, which separates your emotional state and your brain. So it helps you kind of understand. But also, I kind of very quickly came to the realisation that the only reason that people are either negative towards you or kind of try and pass comments that might upset you is because in the actual fact there's a problem in their lives or they've got a problem with themselves. And I kind of then also realised that the more I reacted to things like that and caused stress, I actually got sick. Right. So I then had to very quickly be like, you know what? So people are going to be negative. People are going to say comments because that's life. Yeah. Um, but what I'm going to do is not take it personally because actually that puts my health in a worse state. It's so, so interesting. It's almost like every single time you come to a barrier in a funny way, <coughs> CF has made you act in the best possible way that you yeah. could have done in that scenario. So in a funny way, it's almost like your, it's like the positive catalyst to so many choices that you've made in your life yeah and that's really where I'm really lucky yeah because it's kind of given me such a new and unique outlook on life where yeah I kind of see things slightly differently because of the situation I find myself in because I think that's one of the hardest things that we all face with I constantly remind myself that I can't control what anyone else does or what anyone else thinks the only thing I can control is how I react to it yeah and I tell myself that all the time but it doesn't mean that I remember it no and it is hard when you especially if you are having one of those days where you're having a bit of a wobble and you're like oh gosh what am I doing like yeah. what is going on and then you get some negative comment coming into your inbox and I there's um, somebody that follows me and she always leaves a negative comment oh yeah and it's fine and I'll always reply with a very nice positive comment and I just think do you know what? If I can just help her see differently, then my job here is done. But that's amazing. I would have just blocked her by now. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. Next. Do you get a lot of negativity online? Uh, not too much, no, to be honest. Like, I get a few a few people recently messaging me being like, it's all right for you. You can do this with your CF. You're making me feel bad that I can't. Oh, I see. And I've just replied and said, I'm sorry to hear that, but this has been built over the years. It's not I've just suddenly climbed a mountain. But also, it's your luck, because I get that with people saying to me, I'll post a picture like when I'm leaner and I'll be like you're making me feel bad because you've got abs and I'm like but that's your insecurity I'm like yeah. I didn't give myself this body to make you feel bad I'm not trying to tell anyone they need to look like me or do what I'm doing this is just me and if sometimes I think we have an issue of we won't like something and we won't recognise that the reason something's triggering us or making us feel upset isn't because someone's done us wrong but it's actually because we feel insecure and they're yeah. projecting our yeah. insecurities and I find that quite difficult thing to tread sometimes because people were like you make me feel really bad about myself I think we all get that but oh, it, that's, yeah. that's kind of a bit unfair it's kind of a bit mean because it's like but I'm trying to motivate you I'm not trying to make you feel bad yeah so that in a funny way we've got to recognize Stephanie or insecurities coming out yeah and I think everyone has them because I think it'd be silly to say nobody was insecure about yeah. something or had those days where you felt more awake because I, I read this thing the other day where it said isn't it funny how you look the same every day, but some days you feel really rubbish yeah. and some days you feel really good, when actually in reality you don't look any different? Yeah, so true. But you can take a picture and one day be like, oh, yeah, that'll do, and then take another picture another day and be like, oh, my goodness, no. Yeah. So, like, I think it's a lot of it is to do with how you're feeling on that day. And, like, for example, that po if you post up a picture and you looked amazing with your abs, well, that's fine because you, you're not there to try to make feel someone feel bad. Yeah. But you've obviously just caught somebody on a bad day. Yeah. And whenever people message me being like, oh, like, it's all right for you, you can go and do all these things, like, you're sponsored. And I'm like, I'm not, actually. Um, I've built up opportunity through hard work. Yeah. But unfortunately, people don't see what you do behind the scenes. No, and I think there is that, especially online, there's that idea that kind of everything has just happened to you overnight. Mm -hmm. And people always say to me, oh, my God, when did your Instagram just, like, take off? I'm like, it didn't. I've literally been doing this for, like, four years. And I've worked at it, and yeah. it grew. And now I'm lucky enough to have got a podcast. But people only... People find you when you're at a point, usually, of success. Because that's why they're yeah. finding you're visible. And so people just assume, because in their lives you've popped up overnight, they assumed it happened overnight yeah. for you. And I get this quite a lot with people thinking that there's no work put into it and things. And, and then also the confrontation of... I think sometimes I've, I've done this before where because you're being not lazy but you want to kind of be like oh well they've probably there's probably some reason why they've got that and in some instances there are places of privilege and stuff that's happened that means someone's got it easier than you whatever but sometimes you've just got to re recognise that you haven't pulled your finger out and you might be looking at your friend and thinking fuck they're doing so well oh it's because of this actually it might just be because they Bring worked a bit the harder for you yeah than you so like that's that's a funny one that I have to do to myself sometimes so I'll go oh, they've achieved so much and I think well but 
look at what they, of course they have that's why yeah and i think it's you have to sometimes step back and have a yeah. reality check on a lot of things because this is why like i've um so i had a bronchoscopy um a few weeks ago last year and i'm basically filming my road to recovery to get my yeah. lung function back and i'm doing it to show the hard work because i think as you've just said like people don't see it mm. so i have now got someone training me twice a week and I think he's actually really enjoying the fact that I leave crawling out of the gym. But if that's what I have to do to keep well, then that's what I have to do. So I'm filming the sessions to be like, look, this is I'm not just walking into the gym and having a stretch. Like, yeah. I'm literally going into the gym for an hour and absolutely doing my best. Yeah. Um, because I think it's so easy for people to be like, oh, it's all right for you, or like, oh, you're successful because of this. But if so, I'm trying to show my the CF side of the hard work because then people kind of understand the intensity you have to go through or the hours you have to go through. And it's so motivating because if you apply that to someone who has got anything they need to tackle in their lives and apply the hard work you do in to like literally do something so critical, it really makes you feel like whenever I speak to you, I'm like, oh my God, I'm literally never making an excuse <laughs> again ever. Because it is true, you can just, you just have to show up and turn up and do it. Well, that's the thing because I always think, so I'm basically really bad at admin. Yeah, same. And it's just, I get very easily distracted. Uh, especially because we're now getting a puppy, it's going to be awful. <gasps> what kind of puppy? I'm going to get a golden retriever puppy. Oh my god! I bring it. I'll yeah, br- I said I bring it in. But I'll bring it to you. <laughs> um, and I kind of say to myself, but actually, the tasks one don't take that long. No, Two, they're not actually that bad. So I why think it's because it's problem? boring. I do this too. I write massive lists, and then I'm like, I'll do everything else, and I'll move it onto the next page. Tax return. Just I know. moving that over onto the next page every day. I know. Just it's bo- I, I know. think it's boring. But my mum, because she used to be a PA, and she was like, oh, for goodness sake, just go and do it. <laughs> I'm like, you do? She's like, oh, go on then. And I'm like, oh. I actually said to my mum I'd love her to be my PA, but she genuinely has no idea how to oh. work a computer. Oh. Well, maybe <laughs> we should work on that one first. I did say, I was like, you can be my PA, I will pay you, because she'd be the best. She's like, she would sell me so well, she'd get me loads of jobs. Oh, yeah, I've heard about your mum. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's amazing. But she, yeah, she can't work a computer. She'd have to physically be there. She'd have to go and knock on people's doors. <laughs> and be like, hiya, yeah. Like, hi, I'm representing Noni. Um, just replying to an email via conversation. <laughs> so funny. But yeah, that is funny. Yeah, I know. I think, but then you say that and it's like, I do this sometimes. Do you ever think like when you're not doing your admin, do you feel like, oh my God, I'm being so lazy? Yeah. I feel really bad. And then I realised that no one is good at all aspects of your life. No. So like, I'll be sometimes shit at doing admin or shit at doing something else. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. But I've done like l- so many other things that day, but you often only recognize the pitfalls. So I'll only remember yeah. in the week all the crap I didn't do rather than being like, oh my God, I trained five times this week. I've recorded this and I've done all this stuff That's I had to do. Thing. I just remember the fact that I forgot to do three things and then I feel awful and we need to be better at recognizing yeah. our achievements rather than noticing our failures. Yeah, and I think it's about, as you say, like it's celebrating what you can do as well. Yeah. Because actually, you'd be superhuman if you were good at everything. And also, I have this question a lot. Wouldn't it be boring to be perfect? Oh, so boring. Because that would just be mediocre. And nobody wants a mediocre life. Yeah. So if you were good at everything, then what would you do? But there's no, like, there's no trying. I always think this. Not that I think the Kardashians are perfect. But I always think they must have the shittest life. Because they can have, and we live in a society where it is capitalist and we want stuff. and that's. But they could have, they could have and do anything. I mean, I know there's people richer than them. But just as an example. But because they're so famous, like, I can't think of anything worse. Imagine not being able to, like, go and get a coffee. Or go and get... So all the people that we aspire, or, like, we think we aspire to have their lives, like, on the forefront, you might look at a picture of Kim and think, oh, my God, I'd love to have her outfit or her bum, whatever it is. I, I don't know if anyone wants her bum. But <laughs> you actually think about it, and there's no way... I actually don't think that her life is better than mine. I genuinely no. don't. I think my... I love my life. And I think sometimes we get so consumed in, like... One, looking at our own failures and looking at what everyone else has and not really thinking like what is the big picture here like how much do I actually have in my life rather than being like oh I'm jealous of that one Instagram snapshot you've seen of someone and I think that's what I think that's why it's so interesting what you're doing because you are breaking down barriers and you're marrying two things that confuses people because it's like CF and then ultra fitness and bringing those two things together and actually that isn't something that we're used to seeing it's like the it's like a real balanced and and life is messy and life is ups and downs and no one has got as you say a perfect life and no one's got everything right and everything wrong but you're almost perfectly marrying the two do you know what i mean yeah and i think it can be hopefully be quite a powerful oh yeah combination because i think it's bringing something that's seemingly negative with something that's seen as a positive thing which is turning a negative into a positive because i'm still alive so 
you know, I think it's one of those things where if people are struggling, instead of, ob- you've obviously got to see the negative and accept it and see what it is you can do about it. But what are the things you can you enjoy that can aid it? What Do you have any plans for the future in terms of um, how you're going to, like, go forward working with CF or, like, do you want to, I know you do motivational speaking now. Is that always about your CF or is that about just life? Um, so I, I kind of use my CF as an example, but it's more to try and get people to live, mm. to actually go out there and do what they want to do because I think so many people live in fear. And like, for example, my some of my clients live in fear of the gym session being too hard, right? Which in reality, if it's what, you're going to be with me an hour, yeah, you're not going to die and you're going you're gonna to get through the session. And I think a lot of people see their goals and their big aspirations like that because they live in fear of failure when actually if you don't try, you're going to fail anyway. Yeah. And actually what I've learned over the years is if you enjoy the failure as, you much, as much as you enjoy winning, then you're never going to fail because you're only going to learn and then move forward. Yeah, exactly. And the stuff that I have failed with, actually I found that I don't want anyway. Yeah, and, and I, you do have to try because I used to be that person where I'd quit before I'd even started because yeah. I was so worried about not being good or not being good enough or whatever so I wouldn't even do it to the point where I just didn't do anything yeah and then you kind of sit there in a messy state and you're yeah. like what am I doing yeah exactly and you can't be worried about because there's so many things that I've tried and they just don't work out and I'm lucky now that I am in the place where I'm like right I'm just going to try and start a podcast see how that happens and then it's done really well I'm going to start a book but you have to just you just have to turn up I think people probably quite a good metaphor this probably is like my podcast because everyone goes oh my god so can you give me advice about how I start a podcast what equipment you have blah 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 nothing I didn't have anything I didn't have any idea what I was doing I just went out and I recorded one that was it and then fast forward now I've got a studio now I'm putting money into it now but you can't you can't be over prepared for something that you don't know how it's going to no. come out with in life so you've just got to go and find out and some things I've tried so many things where doors haven't opened for me or people haven't replied and like so many times in work where I really want to do something and I'll push and try and just get absolutely nothing back and then I'll do one thing and suddenly it works. And I'm like, great. Whereas if I'd any of those other opportunities had opened the door for me, I probably wouldn't be here doing a podcast. Exactly. And you have to look at the world like that because that's how I think things yeah, tend to work. Yeah, and I think that's such a nice point of like a view on it because I think it's really refreshing because so many people are still like, oh, but, you know, there's no point because it won't be me. But I always say to people, but if, you, if there's something you want to do that's been done, then it's been done before. Yeah. So in reality, it can be done again. Yeah. But with your special twist on it. And no one is going to be you. Because I remember thinking when I was doing this podcast and someone brought out one quite similar, I remember being like, Ugh. and then I thought, actually, it will literally never be anything like mine. Because even if you had the exact same premise, the exact same guests, exact same topics, it doesn't matter because no one's in my head and can never say whatever else I'm going to say. Exactly. And actually, the conversations you have with people are never going to be replicated. No. Completely. So it really doesn't matter because I think we get quite worried, of, especially as women, we get worried about spaces kind of like oh someone's already doing that it doesn't matter you could do it better you could do it worse but you're going to do it differently either way so yeah. there's no point worrying about it that would be like saying oh i can't be an actress because there's already actresses out there well that's just silly or i can't be a doctor isn't it yeah. but we do that a lot i think yeah and i think it's just about just taking a deep breath and being like you know what i'm gonna do it give it a year or whatever you yeah and just see what happens because i think sometimes if you let go of the control things take care of themselves yes because i've learned a lot over the last year where where I've been like, I so want this, I want that, I'm going to do everything I can, blah, blah. And actually, when I've let go a little bit and kind of let things take their journeys or whatever, better things have worked out. Yeah, and I think as well, the other thing you get caught up in is you might go like, I want, I don't know, I'm trying, so let's use the podcast, I'm going to set up a podcast. That's such a big thing in your head. You've just got to take it step by step. So you've got to go like, okay, I'm going to find a microphone. Like, I think I never used to break down things. So I'd write New Year's resolutions, for example, or just in the new year, and I would write ridiculous things or just really vague things. Like, for instance, when I used to think I wanted to lose weight, back in the day, it was probably every year for about 10 years of my life, I'd be like, I want to lose weight. Well, that's not going to get you anywhere because what does that even mean? Whereas if you're yeah. like, I'm going to go to the gym more or I'm going to yeah. eat better or whatever it is, then you're going to get somewhere. But we set these goals that are really unrealistic and also don't really mean anything. You've got to do things incrementally. Yeah. It's like reading a quote, not acting on it. Yeah. Because that's the most, that's what people do, don't they? They search the internet for different quotes and then they don't do anything about the thing they've just read. Yeah, that is really true. And it's about, if you're, for example, like social media, the really reason that people do social media is to make an impact in some form. Yeah. But if people don't take action upon the impact, then they're never going to get anywhere. No. So, but this is, I think that happens a bit with social media though, because it's become a bit of a, now that it's commodified and people make money out of it, I think it's sometimes that message of helping people gets lost a bit I get a bit frustrated because I'm like 
I don't make a killing on Instagram like I could because I think sometimes when people, some people, most people start Instagram, they want to be there to help people and create an impact and do whatever, which is amazing. But then there's other people who are like, oh my God, this is a very lucrative business. I'm going to go in and just make loads of money. And then the, the messages get lost a little yeah. bit. And it's like, that can be quite frustrating. Yeah, because I mean? obviously you start your Instagram for a reason and then yeah. suddenly it's like, oh, you're you're promoting yeah. sugar. I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. where it does this hard. come in? Like, I understand obviously people need to earn money, but yeah. you know, if you are going to put money into something or you're going to monetize your Instagram, do it in a way that you're actually still having the same message. Yeah, I think I think that sometimes what happens is though, like the world that we live in, money is so like to success a lot of to a lot of people, which is a shame because I don't think money is success, but success for a lot of people is money. So when you have the option of kind of like doing something or making an absolute killing, a lot of the time, the money wins, which I yeah. find really then, sad. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? Because a lot of the people that I know that do have a large volume of money, they're almost searching for a meaning. Yeah, maybe looking for, yeah, that's so true. They're almost like, so I've got all this money, I can do anything in the world because I've got so much money, but what do I do? Really rogue question, quite a difficult one, but what is your definition of success? Uh, my definition of success mm. is being happy, doing what I yeah. actually am passionate about, and doing things that involve lots of traveling about, and seeing things, new experiences. Because you do need money. Yeah. Obviously, we like to eat. Yeah. But at <laughs> the do. same time, <laughs> I don't think any volume of money will ever make you happy because you're always going to be chasing another figure. Yeah. Whereas if you're happy and actually enjoying your life doing something, when was the next last time you thought, oh, oh yeah, I've got that X amount of money in my bank? This is so obvious as well, but I listened to Adrian says it on her podcast and she was like, Money, you can get back. Whatever else you can get back. But time, you can never yeah. get back. So time is like the most powerful thing. So it's what you do with your time. It doesn't matter what you do with your money. You could lose all your money. You can earn that back again. You can never get that time back. Exactly. And what you do is you spend every minute of your day getting something out of it. And like getting something out of life and living experiences. I literally want to go to the yeah. Himalayas right now. <laughs> Let's just go. Let's just get on a plane <gasps> and go. Although be ready for the horrific journey to the Himalayas. Why is it? Do you know what? If I had, my mum did the research, I didn't. If I'd done the research, I would have really dreaded the journey. Because right. it's a 10-hour plane journey to a five-hour coach journey to a hotel. Oh, five-hour coach. To a five-hour coach journey <gasps> to an eight-hour sleeper train to a five-hour coach journey. So it's a very long way. Oh, I hate coaches. In India, oh. it's like manic. Mm. All the tuk-tuk was moving around. And I literally, we got there, and I was like, I'm a new woman, simply for this journey. Because one, getting on a sleeper train is one of the most stressful experiences of my entire life. Imagine you're lugging 30 kilos into a train that only stays on the platform three minutes. Oh, my God. And there's, like, thousands of people, and you have to find your right... How do you bring all your stuff with you? Carry it. But is there anything you can not administer? Is it all um, oral tablets, or you have injections, or what? So a lot of mine is inhaled tablets. So when I travel, I take the inhaled tablets, whereas when I'm at home, I have nebulizers. What's a nebulizer? So it's a machine that you put uh, medication in, you breathe oh, it in. Oh, I've seen you. Yeah, yeah. Um, because basically that machine, even though it's about the size of a mobile phone, is worth about five or six thousand pounds. Really? And there is no way that I can ever lose that. Okay. It never leaves the house. Right. Um, so basically I'm lucky where my doctors have said, here's the, these alternative medications, which are the same, but just in a different form, for you to go and do your travels with. And I'm really lucky because they wouldn't do that for everybody. Right. But because I think they realise that I'm going to go anyway. You might as well just let you go. Yeah. And... So how so most of your suitcases pills? Yeah, so it's a bit of a causes a bit of a problem when you're trying to travel because you really <laughs> need to carry all this stuff. Because actually, when I was coming back from India, I got stopped at security and they basically ripped my whole bags apart with <gasps> all my medication, being like, "What is all this?" Oh my Obviously god! Obviously, I have letters and stuff, but that we don't believe you. And I was thinking, "Oh my god, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to leave India, am I?" Oh god! And then I got quite annoyed because then he was like, "Oh, well, you need to explain to me what all this does. You need to take it all apart." And I was like, "I'm so tired. I've just been on a mountain for days." <sighs> I've been on this train, I've been in this coach, I just want to get on the plane and go home. <gasps> and he was like, you can't take it. I was like, I don't even care, you can have it. Like, it's worth thousands of pounds, but I was like, at that time, I was like, I just want to go home. Yeah. And he was like, well, no, you can't leave. And I'm like, well, they're not, it's not illegal drugs, so. Yeah. So know, what happened? Um, he just, I think, because I got so annoyed at him, which I'm not that personality at all. Yeah. I think he was a bit like, okay, goodbye. Because <laughs> I think he then realised I was being so genuine that I was like, you wouldn't be, re you'd be reacting differently if it was a medication. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh yeah, I know, Henry, because it's all those complicated things, like going back to it being like an invisible illness. It's like all those little things 
that people don't think about day to day just like on top of all the things you might have struggling with breathing or all those other things it's just those little things like bringing out your medication with you or like what other day-to-day things do you do that I guess I would know as someone without yeah um so every day I'll because the problem with the medication is that you have to split them up so otherwise they don't really work properly so I'll get up in the morning and do one and then you have to wait like half an hour before oh, you do see. another one and then so that they digest separately yeah and it's just really a bit of a pain when you're trying to be lead a busy life yeah so I then end up having to get up at five every day just to simply start the day, oh. which is a real pain. But at the same time, if it, I have to leave to say live, then I know five o'clock's not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is, but it's not. Um, and then in the evening, you have to repeat the routine. So when I get in from work, it's the same thing. You then have to do, obviously, the different medications, but you have to split them all up, which some evenings, like, you get in, obviously, nine, ten o'clock at night, you're like, I just want to go to bed. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like one of those things, isn't it? Like, I've, I'm a firm believer, like, if you don't do things consistently, then they're never going to give you the full benefit. Yeah. So as much as every single day I'm taking eight tablets a day, obviously that's including all the ones I have when I eat, it's worth it because I'm still here. How how many calories do you have to eat a day? Are you allowed to, do you want to talk? Can you yeah, yeah. It? Yeah. Just I just don't know. I suddenly if you're going to be like... Oh, do you know why? Because you know on Instagram, everyone's like, I can't tell you how many calories I eat, but I just thought you're going to eat a ridiculous <laughs> calories, so no one's going to follow your... If you eat this, you won't end up looking like Sophie. Basically. <laughs> so don't, don't follow this. So I eat about three and a half thousand a day. Yeah. Which is really hard. Is it? I literally am like, that sounds like <coughs> the absolute dream. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> okay. Um, obviously getting hungry. Um, <laughs> it, do you know what? It's hard when it comes down to you eating healthy. Yeah, yeah, getting that in in like whole nutritious foods. Because I've uh, recently this month, um, I'm being pescatarian this month. I'm not doing the whole January thing because everyone's doing it, but for medical reasons, I, I thought found you'd try it. That if I eat more fish, my digestive system and my energy levels are much higher. Oh, interesting. So um, when I've told people, they're like, oh, you're doing one of those, I'm like, no. Firstly, you shouldn't judge. Secondly, I'm doing it because actually I feel better. Yeah. Um, so I'm about what a week and a half in. But you still have dairy and stuff. Yes, yeah, so I'm still having dairy, but I've just cut out just all the meat parts. Meat and, and fish. chicken, yeah. So basically, I'm doing it to kind of aid my digestion, which is working. Trying to give my digestive system a break, basically. But because obviously of that, I'm having to now eat more. That's expensive eating three thousand calories of fish. But I don't just eat fish. But I know, but yeah. you know, what's your so? Get, talk me through your what you're going to eat today. So this morning I had porridge. Mm-hmm. With peanut butter and stuff in. Yeah. And stuff. <laughs> stuff, like berries and all of that. Um, and then I then went home after that. So that was like six in the morning. I went home before coming to London and had some eggs and salmon. Amazing. And some avocado and things. Oh, yummy. Which is good. And then I've got some... Uh, what have I got with me? I've got some cod tagine with me. Ooh. Which we made. That sounds great. Which, which is really nice which I'll have on the way home before I go to my clients. But then I'll have snacks with me because I don't know what to do with your clients. You can't just sit and eat no. a meal while you're like, keep going, I'm just going to eat my, my, my fish or whatever. So then I'll have like snacks. I've got a couple of protein bars and stuff. Not that I generally eat loads of that, but when you're on the run, you kind of you have, have to, yeah. not much choice. And then in the gym, I leave some protein powder if I'm hungry. Like I don't have it every day because it doesn't actually agree with me. But if I'm really hungry and I think I'm going to die, then it's hunger. good to have something. Then it's good to have something, and then I'll go home and have dinner. So do you, when you say it's hard to get it in, do you think your hunger matches how many calories you have to eat because of your condition? Or do you feel like you every day are like, oh, I need to eat more? Do you know what? It really depends on if I've trained or not. Right. For example, Monday I had my PT, and we did um, boxing and some conditioning. And I was so ravenous for the entire day I didn't know what to do with myself I couldn't even concentrate because I was so hungry yeah and then obviously yesterday because I was busy in meetings I didn't train yeah and I wasn't as hungry but I was like I should probably still eat more because my metabolism is going to be so faster from yesterday yeah so it's kind of like a weird catch-22 I guess that's the same as most people do yeah but I'm so funny because my hunger I get really hungry but only when I'm like thinking about it too much, so I could happily go along all morning and it could be like one o'clock and I won't necessarily register that I'm hungry and then I'll be like, fine. But if I'm working from home, oh my God, I have oh breakfast God. at six, I want lunch by 10 and then I'm like, I need another meal at 12. And then I, I honestly, I'm just, stu- and it's just because I'm sat 
I work in my kitchen. So I think my brain's just constantly like, I'm in the environment of cooking. Yeah, so, you're so my head's going, eat food now. And I'm like, I've just eaten food now. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> I'm hungry again. But I am actually hungry. I don't even know my tummy rumbling. Oh no, <laughs> when did you last eat? Oh, I don't even know what the time is. I had breakfast at like eight. It's a long time ago yeah, now. Yeah, it's quite a long time ago now. I don't know, I'm gonna have to have a big lunch. I mean, it's essential for your well-being to have a big lunch. Oh my God, always. Okay, so last little bit now. If you had one piece of advice to give to someone with CF, actually just with, for anyone, because I guess you can apply it to anything. Yeah. Because I find you a very motivational person. Thank you. What would it be? Put you on the spot. Live without hesitation. Mm, that's good. And that was no hesitation as well. No, did you like that? Really good. I would have been sat there for like 20 minutes. No, I think it's important because I think most people like put their lives into what ifs mm. and but what if that happens and then and then that doesn't work out. I'm like, just live, go for it, and the things that are meant for you will happen because I'm a firm believer that your path is set out anyway. Yeah. And everything happens at the right time for you because so many people live in comparison, don't they? Yeah. They think, oh, but you've done that and you've got this and all of my friends, this is what they think I'm like a bit of a running joke because I've been single for five years. They think, they go to me, oh, so we've moved out with our boyfriends and not engaged in having children. What about you? And I'm like, I'm not comparing myself to your life because no. I've actually got a great life and I love my life. Exactly. So I'll meet someone when the time is right because at the moment I think men think I'm scary, which I'm not. <laughs> um, I think people just are scared to live. So just go live without hesitation yeah. and enjoy yourself and have fun. Because if you're not having fun, what's the point? I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Where can everyone find you if they would like to come and follow more Words of Wisdom? Uh, my Instagram or my YouTube channel are both Sophie Grace Holmes. Nice Fab. and simple. Amazing. And is there anything exciting we should be looking out for you doing in 2019? I am launching something in February. <gasps> oh, Can't amazing. say just yet. But, Top um, secret. Look out for that because it's going to involve a lot of fun. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And I will put Sophie's details in the box below. And I will see you soon.